Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Yeah. I'm like that guy that said he was ready to attack hell with a water pistol. Man. And I love that scripture that says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Oh, friends, how awesome to serve our God. Our God cannot be stopped. I I would like for all the men in the house who would like to join me to come to the altar, and we're going to bow down before the Lord and ask God to touch this service in a very, very special way. All the men who would like to join me here at the altar, we shall pray together. Hallelujah. 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 I saw Brother Ron Huddleston a while ago. Where are you, my brother? I'm going to give you this mic. Would you please lead us in this prayer as we ask God to bless this service? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, this church is yours. That's right. This is your house. This is your day. And Lord, we desire that you have your way in this service today. Lord, I pray that you would soften every heart to receive exactly what you have for us that you're going to give us through uh, Pastor Henry's words. Lord, I pray a special anointing on Pastor that uh, your Holy Spirit would minister to us and empower today. Yes, Lord. Lord, exactly what we need. Mm. I pray that every word that comes out of his mouth will be straight from your heart to us. Mm. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Please open your Bibles to the book of James. Our text this morning will be chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. And this will be our last message in this study of James. Some of you thought the rapture would take place before we finish the book of James. But we have finally arrived at the last message, and what a wonderful, wonderful study this has been. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. And I'd like to give you a a quick reminder of what we have learned all through this study. And I will tell you, these will be on our webpage uh, within the week. So you can find them there uh, if you don't get all of them down. Count it all joy, 
That's where we started. Ask God for wisdom. Boast in the Lord. Stop losing your temper. That was, did I hear an amen right there somewhere? Just, I thought I heard something. I'm serious. <laughs> Start doing God's word. Don't just come and hear the word. Be a doer of the word. Stop showing partiality. God loved you and me while we were still in our sins. And trust me, he loves those who are still in their sins and he wants to save them. Stop trusting dead faith. Don't just go through the motions. Make sure your faith is real. Start bridling your tongue. Boy, we all needed that one, didn't we? Walk in heavenly wisdom. There are two wisdoms. There's the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of heaven. We need to walk in the wisdom that's from above. Humble yourself before God. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Set in motion a humble life. We're to be humble before men, not just God. Stop judging one another. The one who is without sin, let him cast the stone. Other than that, stop judging one another. Stop bragging. You have nothing to brag about. We have everything to be thankful for. Be patient and persevere. It will not be easy, child of God. I don't care what anybody tells you. We shall, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So be patient and persevere. And then finally today, live like a Christian. Live like a Christian. Just bottom line, this is the last thing he says. Just live like a Christian. Do what Christians do. I'll begin reading James 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. By the word, in the Bible where you read that sing psalms, that means to worship God, to sing and worship God. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, I've been telling you, all through this series, every message I've reminded you of this, that this book of James is extremely practical, down to earth, where we live, how we are supposed to live. Well, these last eight verses are the most practical of them all. He closes this study, this book, this letter, he closes it by giving us a bullet point list of final instructions. And it's about as simple and down-to-earth as it gets. This is very simply common-sense Christianity. Listen to the list again. I just read them to you, but sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't actually hear it. We, we read over it, but it doesn't sink in. L listen to the list again. I will abbreviate them 
just a little bit, but listen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful and rejoicing? Let him worship God. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the church to anoint him with oil and pray over him. Has anyone among you sinned and committed a trespass, done something that God said not to do? Be honest with one another and pray for one another. God will restore you. Has someone in your midst departed from the truth and left the faith? Just know this, if somebody goes after that person and brings them back, they should know that they have saved a soul from death and covered a multitude of sins. You you see, friends, he does all that in eight verses. This is, okay, I'm closing the letter, but I've got to hit these points. These are things that you should be doing. These are things that Christians do. They live the Christian life. They actually live it out. They do what the Bible says do. This is very simple, everyday standards that you and I should live by. Things that we should actually be doing on a daily basis. I mean, come on. Can it, could it be more simple? If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. If you're sick, get somebody to pray for you. If you sin, be honest and confess it. If you see a brother or sister departing from the faith, go after them and turn them around and bring them back. I I guess as we look at these last eight verses, if there's a common denominator, it's that of prayer. He wants us to know that prayer really does work. He wants us to know that if you're suffering, pray. If you're sick, pray. If you sinned, pray. We need to pray. It should be what we are doing. James wants us to know that there is amazing power in prayer. He wants us to know that there is supernatural power in prayer. He wants us to know that this power is available to all those who will obey God and fervently pray. This power is available to us. Now here's the question. How much power is available to us? How much? It's the one area in these eight verses where he really does dig down a little bit. How much power is available to us in prayer? The same power that was available to Elijah the prophet. You and I have that same power available to us. How much power did he have? He prayed. And for three and a half years it did not rain in Israel. By the way, he he didn't do that because he was mean. He did that because God was sending a message to a wicked king. And letting him know that he was still God. After three and a half years, Elijah prayed again. And the heavens gave forth rain. Wow. Power over the elements? That's how much power we have in prayer? And by the way, James says something that you need to hear this morning. Something that's hard for us to believe. But James says, Elijah was a man just like you. He was a man just like me. He was a man of like passion. He was a man with the same nature that you and I have. And and what he says is, 
Is that was, that's the kind of power that's available to you. The kind of power that controls the very elements of nature. I've seen it. Probably some of you have seen it. Years ago, there was a severe, severe drought in Wakala County. It was so bad that churches all over the county were having prayer meetings. And one night, a small group of people went to the home of an old prayer warrior to pray for rain. My wife and I were in that small group. Perhaps a couple more of you were in that group. We, we were in this group, and we were praying. And when we got there, this elderly man of God, man of faith, took us on a long journey, longer than I wanted to go on, longer than I wanted to be a part of. I just wanted to go say a prayer and go home and have some rain. That's all I wanted. But we got there and he said, okay, y'all have come to pray. Let's pray. And he took us on this long, seemingly never-ending journey of fervent, deep prayer. By the time the evening was over, I was not sure I wanted rain. I was worn out. I think my wife went to sleep during the prayer meeting. But this man of God knew how to bombard heaven. He knew how to pray. He was living an obedient life. And he was fervent in prayer. And he took us to the throne of grace. And several hours after we began, he stood up and said, The prayer is over. It will be raining by daylight. Now, we all said, Yay! And then he said, I want you to do one thing for me right now. He said, I want you to pick up the phone and call somebody. It was like 11.30 at night by this time. Pick up the phone and call somebody and tell them the drought is over. It will be raining by daylight. So one by one, we started calling people. I decided to play it safe, so I called somebody in my family. I call one of my brothers. He was asleep. He wakes up. He answers the phone. He says, hello. I said, hey, this is Henry. I got something to tell you. He said, what, what, man? What, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? I said, the drought's over. He said, what are you talking about? I said, we've been praying. The drought's over. It will be raining by daylight. He said, really? I said, really? You got to trust me. I said, in fact... So help me, I wanted to add a little humor in this. I said, in fact, if you left the windows down in your car, get up and go roll them up because it'll be raining by daylight. He said, okay, man, I got to go back to sleep. He hangs up. By daylight the next morning, there was rain all over Wakulla County. There was rain. It was raining all over this county. You see, that's... What James wants us to understand. How much power is there in prayer? There is enough power to control the very elements of nature itself. And he wants the household of faith to understand something. There is enough power in prayer to heal the sick. There's enough power in prayer to restore those who have fallen into sin. There's enough power in prayer to comfort those who are suffering. There's enough power in prayer to turn people around who are drifting away from the Lord. That's what he he wants us to know. And I stand before you this morning to tell you that real, sincere, fervent prayer 
must be a major part of our lives if we're going to live the Christian life. We, we, we have to pray. There is no substitute for it. Uh, Jesus referred to it as the prayer of importunity. That's the way the old King James says it. The prayer of importunity. I looked that up. Importunity is when you beg someone to do something. You go overboard in asking. By the way, your children know how to pray the prayer of importunity. Please, 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 please let me do it. That's the prayer of importunity. One definition said it is to be shameless in your asking. You shamelessly ask God and you keep on asking God. The Greek word implies a plea that is so persistent or demanding that it becomes annoying to those around you. When was the last time you prayed until it started annoying people around you? But Jesus taught that it would not annoy God. That when God hears that kind of obedient, fervent prayer, oh, He gets involved. So here's what I want to say to you, friends, next time, next time you are suffering, The next time you are sick. The next time you make a big mistake in your life. And I want to say this. I know you don't want to hear this, but I don't care how mature you are as a Christian. We all suffer. We all get sick. And we all blow it from time to time. All of us. But the next time that happens in your life, the next time it happens in my life, We are to pray. We're to believe what the Word of God says and we're to pray. We're to pray like James says pray. We're to pray. Don't just say a prayer. Go into a season of prayer. Pray earnestly. Pray fervently. Pray and fast. Pray through the night. Get your brothers and sisters to pray over you. Pray until you get a word from God. Pray until God intervenes and changes things. Pray until the power of God touches your life and is manifested all around you. Pray until your soul is rejoicing. Pray until your body is healed. Pray until the burden of sin lifts off of you. Pray until something happens. Now always people want to ask this. Pastor, if I pray that way, will God answer all of my prayers? No. No, He won't. And the reason he won't answer all of your prayers is because many times you and I don't even know how to pray. And he's a sovereign God and he knows what's best. But I can tell you this, friends. If you will pray like that, if you will pray like that, you will start living the Christian life. It's a part of really living out the Christian life. And to, to truly live the Christian life, you have to pray. You have to pray all the time. Has to be a major part of your life. You have to obey and pray. Obey and pray. Say it with me. Obey and pray. That's what we have to do. We have to obey and pray. We have to obey God and then we have to fervently pray to God. That's what we do. That's what we have to do. Obey and pray. Those two things must dominate our Christian lives. Obeying God and talking to God. Obey and pray. I've seen it firsthand. Man, so many times I I had dozens of illustrations. This is the one I like. I I went over to a neighboring county 
some years ago, if Dennis Litchfield is in the service, he was with me. Uh, he drove me over there. And uh, uh, we, I was preaching that night, and we preached. And it was a great service, and several people came forward and got saved. And I was in a, a Baptist church, and, and uh, so you have to be careful when you're in a Baptist church. And, and uh, I love Baptists. Don't, uh, I'm not picking on them. Uh, but you do have to be careful when you're in a Baptist church. So, so uh, but anyway, after the service... And people are coming up and talking to the pastor. And then this lady, this middle-aged lady, walks up to me. And she said, Pastor Henry, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And told me that if I would come to you and get you to anoint me with all in the name of the Lord and prove me, that he would heal me. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I have a disease. An incurable disease. But she said the Holy Spirit said. If you would anoint me with oil. And pray for me. That he would heal me. And I said well well, ma'am. I'm the guest speaker. I said it would be out of order for me to do that. I said I I want you to go speak to the pastor. Tell him exactly what you've told me. Let him handle it. She said the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to go to the pastor. The Holy Spirit told me to come to you. And I said, well, ma'am, I'm a guest speaker in this church. I can't just do this. I said, we have to get permission from the pastor. (laughs) So help me. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's hard to deal with women. I honestly, I don't think that's in my notes. I said, you go get permission from the pastor. And she said the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to get permission from the pastor. The Holy Spirit told me to come to you. She said, if you need to get permission, you go do it. So I go over to the pastor and I say, hey, listen, you got a persistent woman over here. She believes that if she's anointed with oil, she's going to be healed. And I told her that I I would come talk to you. Uh, Is it okay? He said, well, it would be normally, but we don't have any oil in this church. We don't anoint with oil in this church. I said, okay. So I go back over to her and I say, ma'am, the pastor said we could. But they don't have oil in this church. They don't anoint with oil. And she said, there's another woman in this church who always keeps oil in her purse. I'll go get it right now. <laughs> she goes and gets the oil. I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm on dangerous ground. The pastor literally told me later that he got mad with me for doing it. He, can't, he drove all the way to Walkala County to tell me, ask me to forgive him. And I didn't know he even got mad. But anyway... I anointed her with all in the name of the Lord according to James the 5th chapter. And I prayed over her. And the service went on and that was it. A month later my phone rings. She went back to her doctor. They did a blood test. The doctor said, now listen, this is very important. Here's what the doctor said. We have made a mistake. Your case has been misdiagnosed. Now, by the way, 
If you have an incurable disease and all of a sudden it's been cured, the doctor won't say, oh man, you got healed, praise God. Most, some of them will, thank God for that. But they said, we must have dis, uh, uh, misdiagnosed your case because there's nothing there. And she was healed. You see, obedience and prayer. Obedience and prayer. You want to turn this church around? You want to revolutionize Wakulla County? You want to set a fire that nobody can put out? Obedience and prayer. Hey, the next illustration is very, very close to my heart. I'm going to let my son tell you this story. Uh, May 5th, 2003 was uh, probably the, the best and the worst, or maybe the worst and the best day in that order. Uh, in my entire life. Um, my wife and I, we were living in Tallahassee. We were starting our family. We were pregnant. She was pregnant with our first first child. And the reason that day was significant was that was the day that we, uh, would get, we got to go to the doctors. The baby was far enough along. We could tell what sex it was and all of that other stuff. So we had both, both moms. It was a, we were really excited about this day. We go to the doctor and they, they were doing the sonogram, and we had both moms in the room, and Susan's there on the table, and it just um, really, really went, went bad from, from that point forward. Basically, and I'm going to try to get, get through this after all these years. It's still hard for me to, to even really talk about it, but um, what the doctors diagnosed with that exam, they said that uh, the baby's uh, uh, kidneys were massively dilated to the point that they were concerned that the fetus would not even survive in the womb. Um, they also said that the femur, one of her femurs, were shorter uh, than the other. And alone, independent, you know, sometimes um, they could deal possibly with one or the other, but when you stack both of those symptoms together, it was like an 80% certainty that there were major, major chromosomal issues. So I was, uh, I was broken. And by the way, and I think this may be significant here, I was not serving the Lord like I, I should have been at the time. And uh, so I was devastated. I never um, just felt as broken as, as I did at that moment. And um, Susan, my wife, was as well. So I called my dad and... Uh, you know, for the first time in my life, I, I couldn't even hardly get a word out. I was, I was crying like a, like a baby. So dad said, um, this was on May the 5th, and he said, come down to, come, come to the house tonight. And I said, dad, we can't. We're, we're, we're already in line to see a specialist starting first thing in the morning. We'll have more news then. And he was insistent. He said, no, you come to the house tonight. And, um, so we did, we canceled whatever we had that evening, and even though we emotionally weren't really prepared for it, we, we uh, drove down to Mom and Dad's, and when we got to Mom and Dad's there in Sop Choppy, there were a lot of several cars there, and, and many of you sitting in this service, or several of you in this service, were there that night. We walked in the, the living room, and um, I didn't really know, know what to expect, nor did Susan, and and that a group of uh, prayer warriors got to, to work immediately. There was really not a lot of small talk. Uh, Dad put a chair out in the, the, the center of the room, 
he took some oil, he anointed Susan uh, with oil, and then I watched a group of people who had a lot more faith than I had um, lay, lay hands on Susan and just begin to call out to the Lord. And um, it was, you know, I didn't really know what to, to, to think about it, but um, again, I was devastated, you know, just, just going through that. Well, we went through that night, and I'll admit my faith was not where it, where it should have been. Susan said she felt the peace of God come over that night, but so she had more faith than I did. Well, the next day, May the 6th, we went to the, the specialist, and the specialist, they started running more, they did more of the pictures, more of the tests, and they came back and they said, well, we, may, we think maybe we may have... Um, with the femur, we're not real sure about the femur now because the femur measurements in the in the leg appear to be appear to be normal, but the kidneys are still the kidneys are still way uh, dilated. We've got major major issues here. So, and again, and I, I again I, I keep going back to I had very very little faith through this through this process. On May the seventh, that following day. Um, I was, I was out running, and I can take you to the exact spot I was in Tallahassee. And out of the blue, I, you could probably to this day count on, on, on one hand the number of times where I really felt like God spoke to me. And I didn't hear anything audibly, but I, I knew it was crystal clear what I heard. And he, and he spoke to me regarding two things that, that day. I'll tell you just one of them. But one of the things that he, he dropped in my, my unexpectedly, totally unexpectedly, was... Your daughter will be healthy and beautiful. And, and you know, and I, I, I knew what I heard. I knew it dropped in my spirit. But then your mind starts playing tricks on you. And you think, okay, is that my mind playing tricks on me? Is, you know, uh, am, I, am, I, am I kind of searching, seeking for something that's not reality? And I never got another word from the Lord. That was it. That was the only time I ever felt like he spoke to me concerning that situation. Fast forward about eight months or six months later, August 31st, 2003, I was out of town. It was about six weeks prior to the due date. It was the last time Susan could travel before she got into that period where she couldn't travel. Um, so we were out of town, and we had everything planned here because it was going to be a high-risk delivery. She wakes me up in the middle of the night, um, pains in her stomach. Six weeks early now, we were in Orlando. I load her up in the car in the middle of the night. We drive first hospital we, we came to there at um, Arnold Palmer uh, Hospital in Orlando. And Susan had the baby there in, uh, Ar at Arnold Palmer. And, of course, the family, they were all trying to make it down there. But uh, the moment, the moment um, my daughter was born, the kidneys started started functioning <laughs> and um and and so that was uh, uh my firsthand example with with God's healing power and then so the in, in in over a period of time the doctors were still perplexed they were convinced that there was still a major issue we finally ended up I just finally ended up saying enough and, and we accepted the fact, I accepted the fact that, that God had healed her. Well, that was August, that was, uh, so she was born August 31st, uh, 2003. Um, now, keep in mind May, so May 5th, May 6th, May 7th. 
2003, May 7th was when I felt like the Lord gave me that word. And um, May 7th, 2016, 13 years later. Now, this is kind of kind of funny, and it may be kind of how the, wor- how the, the, the Lord operates sometime. I was sitting in the gymnasium earlier a few months ago, May, May 7th. 2016, and um, I got to watch Molly come up here, <laughs> and and she got crowned Miss Jun- Junior Miss Walcola of uh, of Walcola County, and 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 when when that happened, when that happened. Um, so I hadn't got a word from the Lord since May 7th, 2003. Uh, I felt like the Lord nudged me a little bit, and he said, I told you so. And uh, so, anyway, thank, thank you all. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, obey and pray. Say it with me. Obey and pray. That's what we have to do. We obey and we pray. We take God at his word. We obey and pray. I've got one last thing I want to share with you. And then we have concluded this book. And what a great book it's been. I'm going to read verses 19 and 20 to you one more time. It says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns the sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, hold on. Is this a misprint? I checked different translations of the Bible. Wait, did I read this correctly? Let him know, verse 20, that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul. He's told my, let you, the person who does that saves a soul. That, that kind of messed me up a little bit. And then I found out that Paul used language like this. Listen to this. For I speak to you Gentiles... Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. That means Paul says I'm putting my whole heart into it. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh. And what? Save some. Paul says I want to save some of my countrymen. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians 9.22, he says to the weak I become as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means... Save some. Paul says, I try to identify with everybody that I can save some. He even talks about other people saving people. Listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians 7, 16. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? A wife can save her husband. A husband can save her. A a husband can save his wife. Really? That's what the scripture teaches. Now let me explain something to you, friends. Jesus is the one and only Savior of the world. We will not water it down in this church. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
There is no other way into the kingdom of heaven except through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's what the scripture teaches. He and he alone is the source of life. But here's what I want you to know as Christians. You and I can take that source of life. And we can go share it with somebody else. And we can save their souls. A man can save his friends. A wife can save her husband. A husband can save his wife. We can save souls. God wants you to save souls. You can save souls. You have the ability to save souls. In John Bevere's uh, book, Driven by Eternity, he tells the story of an atheist. And uh, an atheist that became one of his close friends. But this is how the atheist got saved. Said a man on the job, a Christian man on the job who was tenacious, just wouldn't quit ministering to him. Just wouldn't quit reaching out to him. And the atheist wouldn't listen to anybody. And he was just difficult. And one day the man said, well, I'll take my Bible with me. So he takes his Bible and he goes to the atheist and he holds the Bible between them. He said, that'll stop him. And, and he said, he held his Bible between them and tried to tell him about Jesus and the love of Jesus. The atheist ripped the Bible out of his hand, threw it down on the ground and stomped on it and cursed the Bible and the man. And then accused the Christian of being weak and brainless. That's what atheists do. That night, or, or a few days later, this atheist started having chest pains. They rushed him to the hospital. When he, when he got to the hospital, they said, we've got to do emergency surgery. They opened him up to do open heart surgery. And his heart was in such bad shape, they only did a, a limited procedure and they closed him back up. And then they told the family that he will not live 24 hours. That he cannot survive over 24 hours. That night, that same night, his heart stopped beating. These are the words of the man who was an atheist. He said he left his body and descended into deep darkness. The darkness was so thick that he felt he was wearing it. Not a glimmer of light could be seen. After falling for what seemed to be quite some time, he heard the horrifying screams of tormented souls. He was pulled by strong force right up to the gates of hell when suddenly he was able to retreat back to his body. He had been revived. When he woke up, he told a family member, Go find that Christian on the job who witnessed to me. I have to talk to him now. The Christian came to his bedside, took the word of God, led him to saving grace in Jesus. He was saved. He had a born-again experience. And then after he got saved, the Christian said, Now I'm going to pray for you that God will heal you. Laid his hands on him and prayed for God to heal him. Three weeks later, the man got up and walked out of the hospital on his own. A walking miracle. You know why he walked out of that hospital alive? Because there was a man who saved him. There was a man who knew the one and only source of salvation and he loved him enough to carry that source to him. And he was saved. 
I'm about to mess your life up a little bit. But church, I want you to listen to me. There are some family members, more than likely in your family. There's some co-workers. There's some friends, some schoolmates, some people who live in your neighborhood that will die and go to hell if you don't save them. If you don't save them. You say, Pastor, how can I save them? You're not listening. If you've been born again, you know Jesus, you know the source of life, and you save them by taking that source of life and sharing it with them and ministering to them. Oh, friends, I want to close with this. What if, what if this church, what if we really started living like Christians? What if we really started Obeying and praying. Hallelujah. I want some of my ordained ministers to come and stand here at the altar. Al, you over there, Brother Ralph here. You you guys come on, stand across the altar. Here's I want to give this invitation. Here's what I want, friends. If you are suffering right now, why don't you obey and pray? Come get one of these men of God to pray for you. It, If you're sick, why don't you come and say, please anoint me with oil and pray for me. I need to be healed. If you're backslidden, I don't don't know how any any other way to say this. It's, It's not that big a deal if you're backslidden. We all backslide from time to time. Can I get an amen in the house? The big deal is you refuse to admit it and pray. Because God wants to restore you. If you're backslidden... Get somebody to pray with you. Just say, hey, listen, I've drifted away. Some things in my life shouldn't be there. I need prayer. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.